Happy New Year and welcome to The Modern Extractor. We've officially made it to 2022. This podcast focuses on the processes, equipment, and science found inside a cannabis extraction laboratory. I'm your host, Jason Showard, and I work professionally in the cannabis extraction field. On the previous episode, we heard the last of the content recorded at MJ BizCon in Las Vegas. I talked to Hayden Tucker of True Steel, David Zell of Bogart, Dean Siegel of Pope, and Dirty Harry of California Gold. On this week's bonus episode, I have the remaining interviews recorded at my booth on the floor of the Extraction Expo in Los Angeles. Today we'll talk to Luke Costello, Regional Sales Manager for Mock Technologies, Celeste Miranda, founder and CEO of Mace Media Group, who hosted the Extraction Expo, Brandon Barr, President and CEO of Simple Solvents, Stephanie Salas, a chemist at High Precision Gas, Lexis Schantz, founder and CEO of Solvent Direct, Chris Lively, sales engineer for KNF Newberger, and Andrew Yoon, founder and CEO of Extractor Depot. It's a collection of great interviews from some interesting people and relevant brands in the extraction industry. But enough out of me, let's jump into it. Hey, this is Jason Showered with The Modern Extractor coming to you live from the floor of the Extraction Expo. I'm here with Luke Costello, the Regional Sales Manager for Mock Technologies. Luke, welcome to the show. Hey, Jason. No, it's, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to sit down with you. The, the show's been great. Uh, we've had a lot of good people coming through, and um, it's our first time in L.A., actually. So, All um, right. How's LA treating you so far? Pretty yeah, good? So far, so good. Been out a little bit, had a few drinks, uh, had a bite to eat a couple of nights. and um, No, it's been great. Yeah, the people are great out here. Fantastic. Talk to me a little bit about Mock Technologies and what you guys are all about. What do you do over there? Yeah. Um, well, Mock Technologies, uh, we're a specialty equipment engineering and manufacturing company. Uh, we've been around about 87 years now. We work in, in and had worked in a number of other industries before switching into hemp and cannabis about three and a half years ago. Um, wouldn't say switch, just added, added kind of this industry to our portfolio. But um, now, at our core, we're, 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 we're driven by automation and really we're, we're unique in our abilities to incorporate equipment and technology together. Um, you know, we have a number of different solutions for this industry, utilizing solvents of different types, some solventless, um, but really uh, all of our equipment comes turnkey. It's fully automated. It's really driven by uh, efficiencies and helping customers become better at making different types of concentrates. Gotcha. Well, that's exactly what this podcast is focused on doing is I go through very specific SOPs for all the different types of extraction in order to get customers to be better at what they do or listeners in my case to be better at what they're doing. So uh, we're a fairly technical show. We get into it. Talk to me a little bit about your equipment and let's just say, for example, we want to use uh, like an ethanol processing suite. What, what does that look like? How many pieces of equipment in the line do you provide solutions for? Yeah, so um, we really hang our hat on providing a, a true turnkey package that takes you from A to Z. In other words, from, from a biomass to, um, say, in ethanol's case, a winterized decarb crude or distillate. Um, we really take a ground-up approach at every step of that entire process, from the engineering to the manufacturing. We do uh, the alcohol chilling, the centrifuge, particle filtration, um, solvent recovery, decarb, distillation. All of that is an entirely integrated solution that ties together and is recipe-driven and controlled from a single PLC screen. So a single PLC controls everything. Everything. It's all integrated. The, the, the chillers, the heaters, all the ancillary equipment, it all ties back into one like one true turnkey 
uh, place and that gives the a single operator the ability to process a tremendous amount of biomass very consistently from A to Z um, because once that recipe is defined the bi uh, the operator is batching in a, a bag of biomass depending on the size we have a lot of different sizes from two pound centrifuges up to 50 um, but ultimately you uh, batch in the biomass select a recipe and that entire process is automated it chills the ethanol to the exact temperature it it automatically puts it in the centrifuge discharges it spins it dry puts it through filtration um, there's really not a single manual valve or piece on the entire system so as far as a human interacting with material and touching either the solvent or touching the plant material or the final product, at what stages in this process would a human actually have to come into contact with any material? Yeah, so with our EES series cryethanol solution, it's, it's, it's fully automated in closed loops. So the only time an operator is touching the biomass would be when they're, when they're putting it in the bags and actually physically putting it into the centrifuge. Um, beyond that, every 10 to 15 minutes, that process is repeated. Um, but from there, you wouldn't have to touch the, the oil or the solvent, either one of them, until it's recycled back to the front of the system in the solvents case, which in that you're still not touching it. Um, or the oil, you wouldn't touch until it would become either a winterized decarb crude or distillate, depending how far we automated that process. So you can so, bring it all the way into a wiper for distillation? Yep. Okay, and well, and we can set it up in line with continuous handshakes and equipment and tie that back to the PLC. So um, it really is, a there's a lot of technology built into it, but really it's just designed to define that process. So your SOP, once it's defined, the operator doesn't have an opportunity um, you know, to make a mistake or to, to maybe miss a time or a temperature or who knows what the issue could be. There's a lot in a, in a traditional extraction process with ethanol or really any extraction process. There's a lot of time. It's tedious. It, 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 there's a lot of opportunities for mistakes. Oh, absolutely. I've, I, I have <laughs> made some and I've seen many made. So that's just part of the deal. Right. Human error. Exactly. So then theoretically, you could put a bag of biomass in and not actually have to come into contact with whatever was extracted from it up until the point where you are turning on a, a discharge pump, discharging distillate. Um, yeah, or we could automate that. Uh, so, I mean, it's... <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah, uh, but no, that's uh, that's kind of the whole idea. You know, that's that's our background where we came from was automated existing processes and really pushing the boundaries with innovation. I mean, alcohol extraction, it's not revolutionary. It's been around for a long time. Everyone kind of grasped the concepts. Um, we just wanted to put our really give control of that process and define it as best we could. Or for each individual, you can define a hundred recipes of that system. So different strains get treated different ways, or we can actually split off different parts of the process where strain one goes to a distillate, strain two always goes to a crude and put two centrifuges in line in the same system. So you can run batches that are simultaneous, but you can take them to different endpoints. And so really it's just, it's just taking and putting technology to work. That's More or less. fantastic. Interesting stuff. Uh, let's say moving on from ethanol, what other types of extraction methods do you guys offer automated systems for? Yeah, so um, ask me in two weeks and I'll be able to share a little bit more at MJ Biz. So we'll put a little plug out there for that. But um, we have some solventless solutions today around terpene extraction um, that we have a commercial scale solution that's uh, that we designed and engineered in-house that we'll be rolling out at MJ Biz. Um, a few of those are in the market um, already. And then we're rolling out um, an, an ice water extraction uh, at MJ Biz as well. And then 
there'll be something else. But we'll, uh, yeah, I'll just tease it just because my boss <laughs> might get mad at me if I talk a little bit about it a little too early. Understood, so. understood. I was, I was thinking that maybe I needed a, a bottle of something underneath the table here to loosen people up so I could get all the dirt while I'm on the show floor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, last night you would have had a good opportunity for it. Uh, there's no doubt about it. But uh, I, I, I was, guess you got another chance tonight, but we won't put a mic in front of my face. <laughs> I was blaming my, uh, my horse voice this morning on the fact that I was talking all day yesterday and not the, uh, the networking dinner last night. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. Yeah, it wasn't that at all. <laughs> not at all. Um, but, but no, I mean, really, you know, I think it's uh, really our approach was just to really come in and not look at one, you know, solvent or one way of doing things is the best. I think there's really an opportunity to look at it holistically. There's a lot of solvents, a lot of ways that people have been doing things that are beneficial and are the right way to make this concentrate versus that concentrate or this product versus that. And so, you know, we really wanted to not just focus on, you know, uh, alcohol or ethanol as a solution, while that certainly has its place um, in the market, no doubt. You know, so does, um, so do hydrocarbons, so do, so do solventless, so do all these other types of, in, in ways of doing it. And so I think um, that's what we're excited about organizationally is introducing some of these new uh, technologies and some of these new um, solutions to market and and really doing it at a commercial scale where they can solve problems in the lab as these companies are trying to grow. And I think that's a huge bottleneck in the industry right now is, is figuring out how to bridge that gap. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it sounds like you, you guys have taken something that's tried and true in another industry that you've been doing for a long time, seen an opportunity in cannabis, and, and, and made those solutions work for cannabis. I'm, uh, I'm really excited to see what you got to come up with at, uh, at VizCon, and, and when this announcement comes out, maybe I'll try to pull it out of you later. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll stop <laughs> by at MJ, maybe we'll, do, uh, maybe we'll do an interview there, and we can uh, drop it on the Modern Extractor uh, first. That'd All right, sounds fun. good. You got a deal. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> All right, Luke Costello, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Jason. Hey, this is Jason Shower coming to you live from the floor of the Extraction Expo here in Los Angeles. I'm sitting down with Celeste Miranda, founder and CEO of Mace Media Group. Celeste, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jason. Very happy to have you here. You are the woman behind this whole thing that we're all here to, to, to hang out and network and talk to each other in. Tell us how that whole thing started. Yeah, so about, I guess, 11 years ago, I got into the space. Um, I'd been diagnosed with MS, so that's kind of what started the whole thing. And so, long story short, a lot of you know situations in between, but CBD really helped me um, get off a bunch of muscle relaxers that I was on for MS. Okay. So that's how I got into the space. I had at that point a traditional marketing firm for law firms, and um, I let it all go to get into the cannabis and uh, hemp and CBD space. So when I did, um, I started out with a marketing firm uh, for uh, cannabis companies and CBD companies. And I ended up after a few years with 60, handling the marketing for 60 companies in six different countries. These are product manufacturers? Yes. Okay. And so um, then it slowly evolved somehow into Terpenes and Testing Magazine. Okay. And uh, in a roundabout way, I became a publisher. And uh, Turbines and Testing quickly got very popular. And uh, I let the marketing company go. I started Extraction Magazine then as well. Um, Big fan? Yes, because it was funny, but Turbines and Testing all of a sudden after about a year of publishing started being a lot about extraction. 
And so I was like, no, we need to separate these two. So then started Extraction Magazine. From there, we did CBD Health and Wellness Magazine. From there, we did Delta 8 Magazine. We do the Journal of Cannabinoid Medicine. And then I have a conference that goes with each one, having the CBD Expo Tour, having um, Extraction Expo, and Delta 8 Expo. So basically, you're saying you have a lot of personal time for vacation? Right. <laughs> no, <laughs> no Fiji in my future. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you're always up in the mix with whatever's new. One of the things that I like the best about Mace Media Events is that you, you know, psychedelics started to become a thing and start to emerge in our industry and there's a buzz about it you'll jump right on it and start publishing about it you'll you'll jump right on it and have a conference about it yeah you know delta eight pops up on the scene and now there's a conference about right, it you're, right. you're one of the fastest probably the fastest moving out there right so it's great to be able to get cutting edge content about these things right. and hear people talk about them but you know it's that's hard too jason because when you think about it i'm like doing my trial and error in public Right? (laughs) So I mean, terrifying to me. Right? Like eight out of 10 businesses fail, right? But I'm doing mine in public. So, you know, I mean, go big or go home, I guess. Hey, I have a lot of respect for that. (laughs) A a, a lot of respect for that. How do you go about staying on top of all the new content and what's coming and kind of trying to stay ahead of the industry as opposed to playing catch up and covering stuff that's already happening? Yeah. So, you know, I would have to say that my key to that is um, my editors. So I definitely won't take the credit for that. Dr. Jason Lapoy is the edit, uh, editor-in-chief for Terpings and Testing Magazine, Extraction Magazine. He um, was just on the podcast. Was he? Awesome. Yeah, that's great. And then Lance Griffin, he's uh, the assistant editor. Those guys just handle the bulk of everything for me, you know, and they do great content. They have their finger on the pulse of what's going on. Um, I kind of handle or oversee the CBD portions, more magazines and the Delta 8. Um, those guys are so smart. They're way smarter than me, Jason. And they're very technical. And um, I never, I don't understand a word they say half the time. So, yeah, it, the credit has to go to them for sure. I mean, it certainly takes a whole team. And really what it takes, it sounds like you're the ringleader of said team yes. in order to make all of these individually very smart components actually work together and right. end up in a ballroom having yes. an awesome show. Yes, that's true. And, uh, you know, I'm just grateful for the team that I have and for the opportunity we've had in the industry. We've been in it 11, going on 12 years, and that's a long time for this industry. You know, so when I see people like you come along with great content, great information, things like that on your show, we're just open arms because to me, there cannot be enough content in this space. I mean, you know, you're extracting cannabinoids one day the next day you're extracting mushrooms the next day who knows you know and especially now with the conversions and all that it's crazy yeah it's very interesting and fast moving so yeah. it's uh it's an exciting space to be in and it's really nice to have somebody that's staying on top of covering it all so yeah. i uh i tip of the hat for me because I, I try to do the same thing so, yeah yeah so, it's fun celeste miranda ceo of mace media group thanks for coming on the modern extractor you bet jason thanks for what you do i love your podcast all right thanks This is Jason Showered, Modern Extractor, coming at you live from the floor of the Extraction Expo. 
I'm here with Brandon Barr, president and CEO of Simple Solvents. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. How's it going, everyone? Uh, it's going going well on this side. How's uh, how's the booth been treating you so far this this week? Oh, it's great. It's great. We uh, we don't find ourselves out in, the, in California often, so it's great to be in LA and you know kind of network with the local community out here. It's it's been nothing but awesome. Right on. Yeah, it's nice to finally actually be able to shake your hand. Yes. We've been going back and forth talking on the phone for a while now, yep. and, uh, and then nice to be able to get you on the show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. So talk to me about Simple Solvents, what you guys are all about. What do you do? Yeah. So Simple Solvent is focused on liquid solvent supply for mainly the hemp industry. We focus on ethanol, um, both pure ethanol and denatured ethanol. And our main goal is to innovate in the solvent space to not only help uh, get higher yields in, ex in extraction, but also to navigate the tax side of the ethanol world. Um, you know, it's one thing that's interesting out in the ethanol side. If you buy pure ethanol, there's a substantial tax associated with that, which makes it tough for hemp extractors to compete. So we're focused on kind of innovating in the solvent space and working with the TTB who regulates um, ethanol sales to just bring more um, higher yielding solvent you know, blends, you know, so that's kind of the focus, but it all comes back to just helping those, those uh, extractors and helping the farmers, you know, get higher efficiencies and, and focusing on supply chain and just being easy to work with, you know, answering the phone call when people, when people need you. Yeah, that's the important part. Yeah. You, you notice as things tend to start growing, the first thing you get is a recorded phone call, and that's the last thing you want exactly. when you're calling somebody. Exactly. Yep. Right on. Well, it sounds like you guys have some great service. What are you doing as far as quality control goes? At yeah. Solvents? Yeah. So the quality control, uh, we work with pharmaceutical grade ethanol. Um, from there, our heptane is high purity and heptane. You know, we work with internal testing on a per batch basis in addition to third party testing just to make sure everything not only is compliant and safe uh, regarding residuals and impurities, but also to make sure that the blend, um, especially in the CDA 12A world, which is pure ethanol denatured with heptane, to make sure that's the right ratio. Um, you know, we see a lot uh, in the market, especially in the heptane side where domestic heptane supply just basically went to zero. It all got allocated over to the government um, for vaccine production. And what that did was it kind of caused a little spike of low purity heptane getting used in CDA 12A. Um, you know, and that's obviously not um, consistent. It kind of messes with your machines a little bit. There might be issues with residual solvents, you know, and just focusing on high purity chemicals and the testing from each batch, you know, testing it as an individual component, but also once it's blended together, making sure that that finished product is tested as well. That's great. Glad to see that you're paying attention to the quality there. Yes, it's a big, it's a big deal. Safety, safety matters. Right on. And uh, another big part of the solvent business that it seems like is not really very well known is the logistics side of things. Yes. So there's. Uh, you know, the, there's there's a lot of people competing in the market to supply the solvents. So the more you have to drive them around, the more you have to move them around is is a big deal when yep. it comes to the bottom line, which then affects the the buyers and oh, yeah. price. So talk to me about how you're handling logistics and, and yeah. navigating that. Yeah, uh, we are lucky enough to have Danny on the team. He's standing here filming. I know you guys can't hear him or see him, but he runs all of our freight and logistics. Um, an extensive background there helps us out a lot. Just understanding the market is huge. 
But obviously with logistics, um, geography is king, you know, and, and with our focus being in ethanol, um, our, our big goal was to make sure that our joint ventures are geographically uh, positioned. So we are one of the furthest west ethanol plants in the country that's uh, working with pharmaceutical grade product, which is a huge advantage because you don't have to ship that liquid too far to get to uh, the west coast. Um, you know, so forecasting is huge too. Um, you know, when you call and make a last second order, it's going to be a little bit more expensive and a little bit harder to book those trucks than if you have some predictability. So, you know, it's a big focus of ours and that comes with the account management, you know, understanding predictability, understanding, you know, usage and understanding how much can you actually hold on site um, based on your fire marshal and how can we work to make sure product is getting to you on a recurring basis. So if there are freight hiccups, it's easily mitigated through, you know, over communication. So it's aligning expectations and predictability and just, you know, honestly having Danny on the team, he, he handles all that. So I'm luckily, I don't have to touch that world. <laughs> right on. Yeah, it sounds like you, you have to play a little bit of the, the, the commodities market game as yeah. well with buying your corn oh, yeah. and doing all of these different things. Yep, yep, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Lot. Yeah, right right now is, um, you know, corn harvest is here in a couple of weeks and you know, with companies who understand the predictability, now is the time to get into a, a, a contract because what we can do is we can contract out the corn for the next year, buy that all now when it's cheap right at harvest. And then, you know, over the next 12 months, there won't be fluctuations in price. Um, whereas if you kind of operate on the spot market and you just purchase when you need it, you're kind of at the mercy of the corn market. Yeah, you would have never known when you're when you're buying your drum of ethanol or your gallon of ethanol, what all is behind the sourcing and supply and commodity yep. side of that. Oh yeah, so that all that all factors into what the bottom line is. Yes, sir. Yes, it does. Interesting stuff. So, what uh, what do we have to look forward to from Simple Solvents in the next year or so? What's your plan? Yeah. So, um, kind of as I was mentioning earlier, just innovation in the solvent space and um, registering new blends with the with the TTB and bringing those to market. So. You know, right now, one of the interesting things is completely denatured ethanol is tax-free. Um, it's denatured with heptane. But the challenge with that is the ethanol itself is pharmaceutical grade. Heptane does not have a pharmaceutical grade test for it. It's just, it doesn't have a USP standard. Mm -hmm. Now, um, what we're looking at is different denaturants that not only increase cannabinoid yield, uh, reduce the amount of chlorophyll that it's gonna pull from the plant, but also using denaturants that are USP and have a USP certification. So now that end product is also USP. Right now, if you buy a denatured product for extraction, even if the ethanol is USP, as soon as you add that denaturant, it loses that certification. So that's a big thing for us is, you know, that comes back to the quality, that comes back to making sure your product is safe. But at the same time, having that certification not only proves that, but it, it it kind of brings the hemp extraction industry to the next level as far as safety and, and consistency and regulation goes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So with all of these regulations that we're talking about and uh, different grades that are going in to make the denatured ethanol, um, let's, let's stop for a second and talk about the taxes and why people are denaturing and uh, and the DSPs and what's behind that. Because, you know, I don't know uh, if, if folks out there are noticing the, the heavy fluctuation in price right now for your USP food grade ethanol, you know, you're looking at 
drastic price fluctuations. Yep. Why is this? Talk to us about yeah. what's going on. Um, taxing on pure ethanol is a very interesting world. So it all comes down to, number one, the amount of ethanol a plant produces. Um, you know, so for example, coming from a large scale plant, you know, you know, we're doing 24 million gallons a year. And if you pull pure ethanol from there, the tax is, you know, it's about $27 a gallon. Now the first 100,000 gallons of pure ethanol that we sell as a plant has a much lower tax rate. So what happens is, is you get this um, cheaper, not quality wise, but just price wise because of the tax at the beginning of the year, the, the ethanol is cheaper because, you know, as soon as I sell through that, that allotment, now my tax rate goes up. So the beginning of the year is the time to get the reduced tax rate ethanol. Um, now pulling from a smaller scale plant like a distillery also has different implications on that end tax. So um, you see fluctuations mainly because, you know, you're adding that denaturant to make sure the product is not consumable, to not, to not be drinking or eaten. And that is why the tax rate is much lower. Um, whereas if it's going into a beverage application, you know, the TTB gets their $13.50 per proof gallon. Um, and it just it just makes the, the navigation of the tax world kind of tough because there's really not any way to learn that other than calling the TTB and just kind of asking a bunch of questions. It, you know, it's not super clear on the website. Um, the DSPs also kind of convolute things. Um, but I've had some mixed results when, yeah. when contacting them to do some of my own research. Some mixed results of how helpful the folks on the phone are. Right. I've gotten some really fantastic, wonderful information, but then also gotten blown off. Okay. Yes. Kind of hit or miss. Yeah, it is. It's, it's definitely hit or miss. And, you know, what we find, too, is that initial allotment of pure ethanol with the lower tax rate generally gets purchased and sold in one swing because the people who have a pulse on you know, the pure ethanol market, they understand the market and they're going out and pre-buying everything for the year in big, big quantity amounts. And that's, you know, by the end of the year, they might run out of it. And that's why you might see price spikes, you know, come October through, through December. So it's definitely, definitely causes some um, confusion and difficulty on the sourcing part, especially if you're a smaller scale extractor, you know, understanding and navigating that is, it's kind of tough. Well, that's why you just buy from somebody who understands that and navigates right. that for you. Help, help you navigate it, exactly. <laughs> if they're doing a good job, they should be able to offer you good pricing. Yeah, yep, exactly. And predictability helps that immensely. Absolutely. Yep. Well, thank you for helping us break down and navigate some of the, the game behind the solvents and how Absolutely. it all works. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Brandon Barr, CEO of Simple Solvents. Thanks for coming on The Modern Trek. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, this is Jason Showered from The Modern Extractor here live at the Extraction Expo in Los Angeles. I'm here with Stephanie Salas, a chemist over at High Precision Gas. Hey, how are you? Hi, I'm doing good. How are you? Fantastic. Welcome to the show. Happy to have you guys on. I'm very, uh, very impressed by HPG. Thank you so, for having me on. Absolutely. Tell me what you guys, uh, what you guys do over there. What sets you apart from the other suppliers in the industry? Yeah. So at High Precision Gas, we do our own in-house testing. So 
Um, what sets us apart from other suppliers is that usually other suppliers, like when a customer asks them for a COA, it comes from the sourcing plant. So it's like just a generic COA from like the bulk tank. Uh -huh. um, we also get that COA, but we also do additional testing of the individual cylinders that go out directly to the customers. So that's what um, sets us apart, that we do like that last point testing as well, just to confirm that the supplier is giving us what we are paying for, right? Mm -hmm. We also test for more compounds that the supplier doesn't test for. So that would be heavier hydrocarbons. So anything with um, C6 plus, so like more than six carbons in the compound. And the suppliers test for C1 to like C5, so like methane up to pentane. And we test for like benzene and other molecules that are heavier. We also do sulfur testing. That is not included on the supplier COA as well, but we also do that um, as something we provide for our customers. So with all these additional layers of redundancy and safety, uh, have you come across something where you had to send material back and stop a shipment and things like that? Yes, we have. And it is, uh, um, if you look, when like, comparing it to the supplier COA, it would still say like 99 point, it would meet the spec, right? Of like 99.5% like butane, but um, they're, they don't list the heavier hydrocarbons and we would see that on our end and we would be like, okay, well, we do not want this, like send it back to the supplier and we wouldn't sell it. We do offer like different grades. So we have instrument grade and extraction grade. So if ex extraction grade is, um, our specs are, how do I explain it? Like higher purity. So okay. we want nothing detected of the heavier hydrocarbons, but for instrument grade, the spec that's recognized is like less than one PPM of certain compounds of those. So if it meets that spec, we'll just put it for instrument grade and that will be in its own designated lot. So it won't be with the extraction grade stuff. So that way customers know, oh, sorry, like our operations team knows to which customers to give them to. Cause, um, our primary customer is the extraction industry, but we do service other industries where those heavier hydrocarbons are not a concern for them, so. Gotcha. Yeah. So, well, the reason I asked that question about whether you've had to turn things away is, would it be fair to say that if you were a supplier and you didn't have in-house analytics, that mm -hmm. that would just get bottled up and sent right along to yeah. the customer? No, definitely. Okay, so having yeah. those in-house analytics is one extra layer of oh, redundancy. Oh, definitely. Yeah, because I mean, the supplier COA only tests for the compounds they list. So there's other compounds that they're not testing for. And luckily we do have calibration gases that test for different compounds. So that's how we are aware of what is actually in our product that we're purchasing. That is great. It's it's nice to see people or a supplier rather paying attention and, and really trying to provide the best products that are out there. Yeah. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about your uh, newly implemented policy. I saw this on Instagram and I was just talking to Murphy Murray who brought it up again, where you're actually putting QR codes on every single bottle of gas that goes out. Yes. So um, that's a lot it, of work. It, it is. Good, good so, job. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'll walk you through the process. So we have actually already been doing uh, every like the entire process without the QR code. So the QR code is just like one extra step of labor that we have to do. But when we get our shipment of uh, cylinders, we scan everything and assign it a lot based on the date it was filled, and depending on the lot 
then we do the testing, right? And we qualify either instrument grade, extraction grade. Usually everything we get is extraction grade. I want to say like 99% of the time it's extraction grade. That meets our like top spec. Um, and the, I mean, if it didn't meet it, it would be sent back to the supplier. Yeah. So once we scan everything we and assign it a lot, we print out the QR code and our operations team, well, the quality team goes and labels the lots individually and tells them like, hey, this, this is this lot. And then we print out the QR codes for them. And then the operations team just sticks them on before they're sent out to customers. Gotcha. So how many cylinders would you say come into one lot of gas? Yeah, so it depends um, on the volume inside the bullet tank. So depending on how much was filled each time. So sometimes it's like 80%, other times it's only filled up to 60%. So it varies. But on average, it, like a rough average would be like 80 cylinders and our 100 pound cylinders. So a thing that we also do is each lot that comes in, even though it's already tested, we still sample it just to see if there's any changes as the volume decreased in the bullet tank. Gotcha, yeah. okay, cool. So concentrations of something that shouldn't be there may yeah. be getting higher as the level of gas goes down lower. Yeah, exactly. To the so we do testing, even if we already have that data for it, we just keep adding it to our same file for that lot and we just keep adding to it. And that's yet another testament to why in-house analytics helps because yeah. if you're sending out and paying for lab tests for all these different tests, you're, you're gonna really streamline what you're testing yeah. and cut down on how many different data points you're taking. In house analytics, you can test as much as you want. There's somebody on salary to do that. Yeah, no, definitely. And we also have these indicator tubes for like specific compounds, like one of them being benzene, which we do on each lot as well that's coming in. So if there, it's like a second um, type of testing. And if there is benzene present in the gas, there will be a chemical reaction and the tube will change a different color. So that's like our second um, validation method that we use. Gotcha. And we also do third-party testing from a different lab too, just to confirm results. So okay. a lot of checkpoints. So yeah. now, like I was saying before, if you're gonna do third-party testing yeah. and send, send samples out for tests, you're less likely to do as many tests with the third party. So would that be accurate for the same way you're doing it where you're taking a ton of in-house tests and then you're testing the critical places on the third party? Yeah, no, so the third party only does it from the bullet tank itself. Gotcha. Yeah, and then our testing is like, well, I'm at the lab like all day, so we just like test. Well, we have like fantastic. eight hours to test, so it's like, all right, get more samples, more samples, like this doesn't look good, let's go get a sample. But with the third party lab, it's not like that, right? You have to pay for like one test, which yeah. is, a lot different, yeah. Exactly. Right on. That is uh, that's some interesting stuff. So, have you had a chance to look at any of the uh, educational panels since you've been here at the conference? Oh yeah, I've actually went to maybe like four, and they were also interesting. I went to the solvent versus solvent list one, the one that you were moderating, because I thought that was going to be a great dialogue, and it was a good discussion. I thought it went really good. Yeah, I did too. It was uh, it was a lot of fun to hear everybody talk. It was my first time moderating anything. I'm, I'm much better at hiding in a closet with my, <laughs> my sound booth and one microphone and doing a remote interview instead of having a bunch of people up there looking at me. But uh, you no, know, you got you to try new stuff. Yeah, no, I did one <laughs> yesterday too because um, Mark signed me up for it and I was like, okay. Or Jane got me on the panel so and they asked me to moderate it. My right. first time, but... How, what was that? It was Analytical Lab 101. Okay. And they were just talking about... Um, how cannabis and hemp products are tested and like why there's so much variation between labs. So we got to touch on that, which is very interesting. So 
Right on. Yeah. That's, that seems like the, the right place for you to be. Yeah, no, definitely. All right, so if we wanted to reach out to you and get a hold of High Precision Gas and see what, what you guys can do for us, what's the best way? So my email, it's Stephanie, just spelled with an I-E, at highprecisiongas.com. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on The Modern Extractor. Thank you for having me. Hey, this is Jason Showered with The Modern Extractor coming at you live from the floor of the Extraction Expo here in Los Angeles. I'm here with Lexis Schantz, founder and CEO and man in charge of everything at Solvent Direct. <laughs> How you doing, Lex? I'm good, Jason. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, absolutely. This is actually the second time we've had a chance to talk to each other on microphone, but the first time we've had a chance to meet in person. Face to face, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's nice to actually shake hands and, uh, and see who you are. Yeah, likewise. So talk to me a little bit about about Solvent Direct and, uh, and what you guys are up to. Yeah, I mean, it, um, I guess if we haven't caught part one of our episode, uh, we're a streamlined supply chain of lab uh, lab supply, right? So uh, every most of the consumable goods that are used in uh, solvent-based extraction labs from gases, chemicals, media, and dry ice all delivered um, efficiently as possible. Uh, in most markets, uh, mature markets, we do same-day and next-day delivery. Uh, in markets like Alaska and South America, we might be using third-party carriers to do it. Um, uh, and, and make sure that we're delivering the highest purities possible for the best price possible uh, as quickly as possible. That's what we do. All right. I've heard you speak on on many occasions about the power of one. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that that's that's what we call it. So we've packaged uh, all on one truck. We're delivering uh, the, the 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 streamlined supply chain of what would be used in a in a in a cannabis extraction laboratory. So um, gases, chemicals, media, and dry ice. Um, we don't have a lot of direct competitors or there aren't a lot of suppliers out there that put all of those products on one truck uh, at the purity standard that uh, uh, is acceptable for extraction. So you make one phone call, pay you know one invoice and you get one delivery, uh, streamlining supply chain and reducing the amount of uh, work you gotta do to get the products you need to be able to run your lab. Yeah, I know I was certainly shopping at many different vendors and uh, there, there's always one that's got something going wrong and so now you're possibly out of production so it's nice to be able to get everything from one place it's certainly value there yeah we, and operational costs that's something that's really uh, on the tip of a lot of people's tongues right now the the cost of doing business um, while while in especially California taxes are high profits are low and people are just trying to figure out how to keep the lights on operational downtime gets very expensive very quickly. Absolutely. So um, the consistency and reliability of delivery is obviously um, important. Right on. So talk to us a little bit about how this ended up starting. You, uh, you saw a need in the market for quality products for extractors and then what? Like, so tell me the story. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, in the early 2000s, I actually came to California with the Illadelph Glass Company. That was a, it still is, a, a bong that's got some interesting coil technology. You could break off the top part of the, the pipe and, and put it in the freezer um, to reduce the temperature of smoke. Uh, I've on seen bong. on Entourage as well. Yeah, we got some cool product <laughs> placements um, uh, in Hollywood. We had Snoop in there all the time. We were throwing parties. Uh, Tom Green would host the parties, and we had a kind of a cool community of people going on. That's where I met the Proposition 215 crowd, um, which is you know the old medical uh, regulations in in California. Um, 
and then uh, gas. So so did that for years, um, uh, and then uh, herb. I'd say sev twenty fourteen or so. Um, we started hearing a lot about open blasting, a lot about cans, the dangers of cans, the impurity of cans. Um, and around but it says ultra pure on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you can write a lot of things on a lot of stuff, uh, but yeah, the what, what we were seeing was um, that that in a lot of cases the ultra pure at ninety nine point nine 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 percent purity was not in fact that pure. Um, and most of the applications that ultra pure was really designed for didn't need that. Right, a lighter didn't need to be super high purity. Uh, in the food industry, using a butane torch, that's an interesting question. But now you've got the combustion of the gas versus an extraction, the raw uh, gas running through the, the raw product. Um, but yeah, that, that's when um, somebody that I knew uh, uh, told me about um, a large you know, volume butane gas and the ability to package a high purity version of it. Um, and uh, I knew a lot of people in the community that were looking for um, options that uh, would, you know, high purity options. And, and that's kind of where I started it um, on the back of my pickup truck. You know, my first order was, I think, uh, nine cylinders on one pallet. And, uh, you know, I sold nine, I took all my profits and I, I bought 18. And then I sold 18 and I took all my profits, you know, and, and uh, today we run uh, nine trucks across uh, six states. Um, and uh, yeah. And multiple countries, all yeah, kinds of good yeah, stuff. Talk yeah. to me about this international stuff you got going on. Yeah. Um, so I actually have a, a I was, uh, I was sent to a military academy outside Philadelphia um, uh, in high school uh, by a, a judge. Um, and that, and that kind of taught me a few good lessons. But my first sergeant there um, was uh, part of a Colombian, a political Colombian family. Um, he's down in Bogota, Colombia. Uh, as we all know, 2017, Columbia passed their medical cannabis uh, licensing. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, uh, through uh, my good friend, we've got um, the ability to uh, deliver in, in Columbia, um, which, is, which is pretty cool. And there are a couple of big uh, extraction labs down there. Yeah, I've heard of, uh, I interview a lot of equipment manufacturers and, and everybody is, uh, you know, there, there's talk about oh, our project in Colombia uh, yeah. from from a few of them, and then a few of them said, "Don't talk about that on your podcast." So <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it there. I don't know what all, what all that means. I'm, right. I'll, I'll be neutral, um, but uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of stuff going on down there. A lot of these big publicly traded companies are producing yeah. down there for export. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like some big contracts. Yeah. So that being said, is it something where it's difficult to get uh, solvents and supplies into these locations? Very in general? interesting question, Jason. You ask good <laughs> questions. So. Because uh, solvent can be used to produce other kinds of narcotics that might have or might not have been coming out of Colombia at one point in time, um, it's very regulated. So there are okay. narcotics agencies that are looking at what's being imported into that country. Um, and when you start talking about solvents like butane and ethanol, um, butane more so, they're, they're very sensitive to that. So. Uh, in addition to customs and transport and freight and boats and everything else you need to do to get high purity gases into that country, you've also got to deal with uh, narcotics clearances. 
Now, not that you would grease the narcotics clearance guys or anything like that, but is there like part of the budget that has to do with like the payoffs that need to be made in order to make this stuff work? Yeah, and I and I wouldn't. I, I, I mean, <laughs> sure, it's it's kind of more cinematic to talk about the payoffs. <laughs> it's it's just fees that you're paying right. uh, to people to vet the products that are coming into the country. It, it's like it's, sim it's very similar to customs. Um, you know, there, there's a, a port uh, in Cartagena, uh, uh, just outside, called uh, uh, Buenaventura. Um, and, and yeah, you're paying, uh, basically there's consultants and lawyers and other people that will help you navigate that import um, requirement. But um, yeah, it's, it's built into product cost. I mean, you know, the ability to get a high purity uh, solvent um, like butane, propane or isobutane in a, in a clean tank into that country is gonna include um, some costs. Yeah, it doesn't seem like the easiest thing in the world to do. But so I, I guess that kind of works in your favor now that you've figured out how to jump through all those hoops and you had the connections down there to help you with that. Yeah. Now there's a little bit more of a barrier to entry to the other folks, right? Yeah, yeah. And 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 uh, it, yes, absolutely. So having old friends that, that are very, um, you know, their families are very connected in, in the country definitely gives us a head start on being able to get product in there. Um, but you've also got... Um, you know, the shipping of it. I mean, like Alaska. So when we start talking about going across bodies of water and huge continents, Alaska, uh, cannabis operators in, in Alaska are in a really tough spot to get CO2, gas, or even chemicals. Um, packaged gas uh, into Alaska is very challenging um, uh, and very expensive. Um, but uh, we do have a distributor up there that, that has started bringing it in and he's making deliveries. I, I mean, it's like the Iditarod, you know what I mean? The dog sleds and stuff, but, <laughs> but getting it through there, uh, it, it's tough and, and it drives, it does drive the costs. Uh, the product is more expensive essentially because you're paying so much to get it up there. Understood. That sounds like some uh, some 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 good problems to have to solve. Yeah. People want your product all over the place. You figure out how to get them there. Yeah, yeah. Right on. Well, hey, it was nice to talk to you again. I'm glad to be able to revisit the the, the first guest that I've revisited here at the uh, at oh, the cool. expo. So thank nice. you coming back on the Modern Extractor. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me, Jason. Keep up all the great work. Thank you, sir. This is Jason Choward from The Modern Extractor. We're live here on the floor of the Extraction Expo in Los Angeles. I'm here with Chris Lively, the sales engineer from KNF Newberger. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about what KNF Newberger is and what you guys do. Sure, yeah. KNF's um, basically we're a diaphragm plant manufacturer in the simplest form. We've been around about 75 years. Uh, based in Germany, but we have a U.S. facility. It's kind of the home base in Jersey. Uh, I'm out of Portland, Oregon, but I get to go to the, to the Jersey office often enough. Um, yeah, we do diaphragm pumps of, of varying sizes and applications. We're in a ton of other industries. Um, this is basically my sandbox. I've been brought on to make a more deliberate go of the cannabis space for us. Um, we've been doing stuff in lab. I mean, rotovaps, general lab vac pumps, Buchner vac, that kind of stuff. Um, we've done some... Uh, pumps for solvent recovery, solvent transfer, um, direct handling of ethanol, like liquid flow pumps. But basically, we've got a ton of different diaphragm pump options. Uh, so we're more project-based maybe than some of the more familiar pump offerings where it's this pump, everyone uses it because they have to or because it's close enough for that application. We might have three completely different pumps for any given application. So if you know what you need it to do, you know what your pressures and temperatures and flow rates, and if you know your systems, 
um, we probably have a handful of options. So this is not something where you're ordering something on Amazon. This is more of the routine of we've got the exact pump for the application pumping at the speeds and pressures and everything that you need for your system. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this is like uh, in race car terms, you know, a lot of race car teams buy their motors from other people and they don't just buy one motor. They say, look, this is the car we're designing for the season. We need a motor that's basically this and you know the F1 rules. So what, what can you do for us given the rest of our plan? Um, we're basically the same way for pumps. So if you have a plan or if you have a design that you want to improve or you're working to stand up a new one, uh, we basically have a bunch of different options and we can do custom stuff. I know people hear custom and they think lead times and cost. All that really means is we'll change out a material or we can rotate a, a pump head so it fits on your skid better or whatever small variation you need, basically the same price, basically the same lead time. Um, so, yeah. Right on. It's it's nice when you see a company that's willing to work with you in that way. It feels like more and more it's just off the shelf, in the box options because that's easier for the company. And while it may be a little bit more hoops to jump through, you can really feel it when you're working with a company that will work with you to, to figure out whatever your option is that you need for your project. So nice yeah, to hear that. It's been a funny it's been a funny trend. I mean, I come from the CO2 space, so um, I'm newer with KNF, helping them stand this arm up a little more deliberately, but I come from the CO2 space in the industry. And it feels like every year, so you mentioned out of the box or off the shelf stuff, is the obvious place to start when things are new. I mean, that's, that's what you start to prove your concept. But it feels like as we get deeper and deeper into better and better plant designs, there's more and more off the shelf happening and we should be moving more and more towards tailor fit solutions. Yeah, absolutely. People are starting to figure out what they're doing now you know a lot of a lot of us were just kind of figuring it out making improvements continually improving and dialing it in and that curve kind of tends to taper off the longer an industry goes and the more the more it matures really so mm -hmm. i think we're, we're coming to a point where you can really start to design exactly what you're trying to do and be confident that that's what you're going to want to do in a couple of years whereas mm -hmm. that wasn't necessarily the case a couple of years ago yeah i mean i think you're talking about the early days when we were moving from, you know, like a Mark One to a Mark Two, where people were trying to figure out how to have their bubble bag system be more than just a bucket and a paint mixer and have, have flow control. And you're changing out these kind of modules or adding components to your system. You're doing like functional iteration, right? You're like, oh, I think I need a pump or I think I need a chiller or I need a better chiller. We've kind of got the macro moving parts for most of these systems figured out. And it's really just, okay, now if I know I need a chiller, what's the best chiller? If I need a pump, what's the best pump for my particular system or application? So it's race car margins, you know, like you can build a car and you can build a race car, 90% of overlap there, but it's that last five, 10% that differentiates between a go fast car and a grocery getter, you know? And like, I feel like we're kind of getting near the race car margin part of product development. Yeah, as things grow and expand, you, you kind of have to have that little bit of extra at this point to uh, to be competitive in the marketplace with whatever you're producing. Agreed. So starting to starting to move that direction. So we were talking last night at our networking dinner uh, here for at the Extraction Expo, and you had mentioned that your diaphragm pumps are electrically driven. You guys don't do air operated right. pumps, correct? Yeah. Okay. So talk to me about why you would choose an electrically driven pump versus an air driven pump and, and what the you know what goes into making that decision. I mean, there's a handful of reasons. 
simply, are you tired of listening to a compressor? I mean, <laughs> yes, yes, that. I am. <laughs> um, I, I worked in the trades years ago, and, and yeah, being in a, in a shop with a big compressor, I've got a little sonic PTSD for that sound. Um, but it lets you put the entire thing on your skid, self-contained. You don't have to run power and lines in and out of your booth. You're not worried about, like, have I basically just penetrated my C1D1 perimeter? You know, like, we see this with, like, some of the other applications we do might be something like atmosphere evacuation. I know there's basically one common C1D1 pump. It's got oil in it, you know, so you got to change oil on your cramped skid, these kinds of things. Um, but they use that because it can be self-contained in the booth. And the alternative is basically to run your vac line out and back in. Technically breaks your C1D1 perimeter. So you, know, you have kind of the same risk with some of these airline things. Uh, where do I put it? Do I have a partitioned booth? Do I have space to partition my booth? If you're doing other things that require a compressor, maybe it makes sense to have one compressor running three different things if it can handle that. But if the only thing you have running on your compressor is your pump, well, you're now basically partitioning out space or using space outside your booth that you don't have to. I would imagine also it gives you the ability to have a more fine-tuned control over your flow rate coming out of that pump too, right? You're using like a VFD to control it? Sure, yeah, yeah. So there's a couple options. Um, VFD for both of these kind of main ideas. One is, yeah, flow control. You want to, you know, alter your flow rate. VFD lets you do that. The other good thing about VFD is you're running three-phase. You don't need, you know, and we, there's some skids out there that have like um, kind of your classic two-phase motor. Uh, and to switch it on and off from their controller, they've got a relay. Well, that electrostatic relay requires an air purged, you know, circuit board. If you go to a three phase and use VFD, you don't have to have these relays. And so you can get away from air purging your electronics and, and things. Okay. Right on, well, that's some interesting stuff. If somebody wants to get a hold of you to figure out how to uh, integrate your, your stuff into their process, what's the best way to reach out? Um, you can always email me at chris.lively, it's C-H-R-I-S dot L-I-V-E-L-Y, at knf.com. Um, you can just call me on my cell. That's an option, 609-462-1007. Right on. Well, Chris Lively, sales engineer from KNF. Nice to, uh, nice to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for making time for me. Hey, this is Jason Showered from The Modern Extractor coming at you from the Extraction Expo floor. I'm here with Andrew, founder of Extractor Depot. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I've uh, I've been doing business with you guys for quite some time. Uh, you're not the guy behind the counter, so you wouldn't have known that. Uh, and I, it's been a long time since I've been the guy uh, going down to the shop. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've always loved the service that I've gotten over there. Thank uh, you tell me much. a little bit about what you guys do. Yep. Yeah, so, um, you know, we started out as a parts store uh, back in 2016. Um, you know, I was an extractor myself, so I kind of understood what people needed in terms of parts and supplies to run their daily business. And so we started that way and then uh, people started to want full systems and you know, new people were getting into it that weren't like the hobbyist type where they were like tinkering. They wanted something to go because they wanted to go and make money. Yeah. And so uh, it really evolved into a full, you know, solutions providing uh, kind of business. And so now we have uh, two brick and mortar locations in LA and San Bernardino and, you know, we provide uh, customers with, you know, easy access to supplies they need to be able to do their, you know, uh, like run their business pretty much uh, daily. So give me an example of what you might sell to an extraction lab. Right. So, um, you know, the, the three most common things or four most common things that we sell are dry ice, gas, 
uh, powders and medias and, uh, you know, some other types of consumables or like parts and, you know, gaskets, things that go out often. Um, so we really service the consumables and the, uh, you know, the things that people need daily. Um, but at the same time, we provide a lot of uh, services in terms of pump repairs. Uh, you know, uh, we do light welding work in-house. Uh, we have a whole glass shop in-house as well. And so we do a lot of repair work. We repair, you know, glassware from all types of uh, companies, you know, Lab Study, Summit, whatever. Um, and we also do quartz work as well. So just a variety of different things that uh, we do in-house right now. Yeah, I know yeah. for myself as an extractor operating out of Los Angeles, uh, knowing that if something went wrong or if I broke something yeah. or if I ran out of something, the fact that I could get in the car and drive somewhere right, where right. they would have what I needed exactly. to not have downtime yeah. was huge. Right. Like that just, that didn't exist when yeah. we got going. And yes. then when that started to really right. evolve into what Extractor Depot has become, right. it was just a fantastic service to have yeah, on yeah. hand. So yeah, I, I'm a personally a customer <laughs> and, uh, and, and a fan. Thank I, you. I've given you guys a lot of dry ice business over the years. <laughs> Could have bought a chiller by now. <laughs> right, right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, uh, right on. So what, what can we expect out of Extractor Depot in the next year or so? You got any new big plans? Yeah, so um, in the next year, we have uh, a lot of different things coming up in terms of you know different products and different uh, you know uh, business moves that we're making. Um, you know, we're working on uh, our own dry ice manufacturing. Um, you know, that's a big thing just because of the dry ice shortage right now. Um, and then also uh, working on getting out to Oklahoma. Um, there's a lot of uh, customers out there ordering products and asking us to be out there, you know, to be easily accessible because that market out there is crazy right now. It's, they're people oh, yeah. processing in massive volumes. They have stuff they need now and they're like constantly calling us, asking us when we're going to be there. So that's another big thing and just, you know, MJ Biz is coming up, so that's another big uh, thing that we're preparing for. We're trying to release some new products at that event as well. So definitely nice. excited for this, uh, the end of the year as well. So it'll be fun. Yeah, I'm excited yeah. for it as well. Maybe yeah. uh, 2022 will bring uh, will bring a little bit more ability to gather together once again. Yeah, exactly. I think we're all, yeah, yeah. all kind of waiting for right. it. Are you going to have a, a podcast booth like this at MJ Biz? Uh, I won't have this booth on the floor of MJ yeah. Biz. I've got press passes. I'll be running around doing remote stuff. So okay. I'll be shooting stuff in other people's booths. And okay. we'll have a video component yeah, to yeah. it as well. Nice. Uh, and then I was just talking to Lexus from Solvent Direct right. about uh, possibly doing something in their booth there, yeah. in their uh, in their suite there. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. And I think yeah. I'll be over at, uh, I may be at C1D1's booth doing a little bit of stuff there as well. Right, right. So I'm yeah. happy to stop by and see you guys. Yeah, and see yeah, what you definitely. got going on. Yeah, definitely. That'd be great. Right on. Well, awesome. thank you for coming to see me. Thank you so Andrew much. Andrew from Extractor Depot. Thank, thank you. you, sir. Thank All right. you. All right. Thanks again to Luke, Celeste, Brandon, Stephanie, Lexus, Chris, and Andrew for taking the time to talk to me. My apologies to you guys for taking so long to air these interviews. I had too much great content to air before the start of season four, so we had to pick up a little bit of it after. As always, if you want to hear about something specific on the show, let me know. Email me, jason at modernextractor.com. Make sure to follow the show on Instagram at the underscore modern underscore extractor. If you guys are digging what I'm doing here, please take a few minutes to show me some love and write a review of the show on Apple or Google Podcasts. The more reviews the show has, the wider the audience it will reach, and the better guests I can continue to book for you here in the future. I'm going to be taking a break for a few weeks here to record some more full-length interviews with the great guests I've got lined up for Season 5. 
If you subscribe to the podcast, you'll get an alert when the season five episodes start to roll out. Otherwise, keep an eye on the Modern Extractor Instagram for info and updates. A big thanks to Isada Venegas for handling business on the show's social media, and a shout out to the New Fools for bringing the funk to the Mod X theme song. Thanks again to everybody for tuning into the Modern Extractor. Stay tuned for season five. I'm Jason Showered. Let's talk soon. Mm-hmm.